All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the Sports Psych MD's podcast. This is episode number 40, and today we're continuing the conversation. We're keeping the ball rolling, keeping that momentum going in our fight towards social justice and towards ending the stigma of mental illness, not just in sports, but hopefully worldwide. We start off by having this conversation that we've had before about what all these big organizations, the NFL, the NBA, what they're doing with regards to implementing mental health programs into the overall structure, having mental health be on the same playing field as physical health. And wanting to highlight this, we brought in the sports psychologist for the Los Angeles Rams, Dr. Carrie Hastings. She joins us today in the second half of the episode. So stay tuned for that. It's extremely informative. And it really sounds like the Los Angeles Rams, led by Dr. Carrie Hastings, and the and the culture there, they're on the forefront, not only in the NFL, but it sounds like in professional sports and providing excellent mental health care to their staff and to their team. Um, I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. So let's go ahead and get into it. Oh, and don't forget please, please join the conversation online. Uh, check out our Instagram page. Drop us a comment. Ask us questions. Do you feel me? Oh, yeah. Do you feel me? Do you feel me? I think any mental health professional that's involved in a big-time sports league, sports organization, team, is, is going to make a positive impact. We need more mental health professionals uh, that have a seat at the table when it comes to cultivating kind of an environment where wellness is looked at and in part of wellness is mental health and mental health isn't ignored and mental health is treated on the same playing field as physical health. Um, I think all the leagues are going in that direction. We talked about episode nine specifically titled how we can help. We, we kind of detail the NFL's recent initiative that came into play a couple of years ago in the NBA uh, the recent initiative as well. And these are all new within the past couple of years and the NBA players association also has their own initiative and check out episode nine if you want to know the details about that. We've talked about Dr. Parham on several episodes, who is the leader of the mental health initiative uh, for the National Basketball Players Association. Uh, I was fortunate enough to talk to him when I was working at LMU, Loyola Marymount University here in uh, Southern California, where I was working within the uh, student psychological services as a psychiatrist there. And I was able to treat not only just people going to school there, but also athletes as well. And we interfaced with the team and it was a great program. Um, that worked well for that college campus. Now, I also attended the NCAA's, the Pac-12 Mental Health Summit, where people from all over the NCAA were there talking about all the initiatives that the NCAA is taking to refine their mental health treatment programs. Um, Check out episode 22, Coaches Create Champions. That's where I break down the NCAA's new mental health best practices. So you have all these organizations kind of coming to an age of enlightenment, realizing that mental health is just as important as physical health. Um, as a matter of fact, they're intertwined. In order to have peak physical performance, you need peak mental health performance. Um, if you watched the Last Dance documentary, you realize that it wasn't until Michael Jordan kind of took a step back and mastered the, the mental game, his mental fitness, that he became a, a champion, six-time champion. Um, so check out that episode if you'd like to as well. A lot of shout-outs here. But, but what today is special because we, we brought in the sports psychologist for the Los Angeles Rams, our hometown team, our new hometown team, our our old but also new hometown team. And she is Dr. Hastings. So she is a former athlete herself. She went to Notre Dame and ran track and field. I think she did the hurdles. She was also a sprinter. So she knows high-level competition. Notre Dame is one of those, this is a giant program. I'm from Indiana. 
Notre Dame was kind of our rival in basketball. Um, IU, we, we, we can beat them in basketball, not quite football. Anyways, she's a licensed clinical sports psychologist. Um, and she is their mental health program for the Los Angeles Rams. And we're fortunate to have her. She did her training at Pepperdine University here in Malibu. Um, and now she's a, she's a certified mental performance consultant. Individually, she has her own private practice as well. She does individual therapy. She does psychological testing. She does neuropsychological testing, which is valuable because neuropsychological testing is key when you're trying to diagnose individuals who it's not quite clear what they have. Um, it could be really helpful for an individual who has ADHD. And so she, she brings a lot to the table and she's been working with the Rams now for a few years. And she, it sounds like the Los Angeles Rams, based on talking to her, they're on the forefront of implementing these mental health policies. And a lot of teams have they've looked to the Rams. Yeah, no, man. Um, it's a very progressive program. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a program that mirrors a lot of what I think we learned in our, our training in residency is, you know, how important it is to have a collaborative environment when it comes to uh, a mental health program. She mentioned that, you know, there's herself as the team psychologist, but there's also uh, a chaplain service. Um, there's a team engagement service and, you know, some other stakeholders that have a, a monthly meeting in which they talk more broadly about, you know, all the different members of the team and, you know, you know try to figure out who may need a little bit more, you know, care and attention. And uh, I think when you have a collaborative uh, force um, at, at each level that's involved with creating the team holding environment for a sports organization, and I think ideally would, would ultimately also include a psychiatrist, um, you know, to, to weigh in on, on some of the medical and more biological issues and physical issues related to the mental health. But, you know, I, I think that really the the way that they're doing things, as you said, very progressively, you know, this should be a model for, for the NFL. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's great to see that they're here in Los Angeles, you know, so we can continue to promote them uh, on this show. Yeah. And one of the things that I found great, and I want to highlight this, and I've, I heard this at that meeting with NCAA, and we heard this with Dr. Hastings, is that she's a player-facing person. So she goes to the facilities. She works with the trainers, the coaches, the staffs, the players, sometimes giving lectures, talking about different things, um, providing awareness, mental health awareness. She talked about how, and I don't want to spoil the interview, but talked about how she gave a stress management class leading up to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago that was helpful for a lot of players. And that's a beautiful aspect, but she also offers a place to see her off campus, away from the facility. So it gives individuals the opportunity on the team if they want to see her at the facility, they can, but they could also go off the facility, have a little bit more privacy and confidentiality, although confidentiality, privacy is always key regardless of whether they see her at the facility or not, but they have that option to choose, okay, I want to go, I don't want to walk into the brand new Ram stadium and, and see my therapist there. I want to, I'll go see her in the private practice. So you can have that like separation of church and state, if you will. Um, and that extra layer of kind of security. And this is a theme throughout our interview in our previous episode with Tremaine Ingram Jr. He talked about at Clemson where they had the opportunity to either meet with the mental health professionals in person, like in the facility or go off campus. So I think it's, it's valuable to have these yeah. op options. And I love the, that these things are kind of all encompassing. It's not that just this kind of black box off in the corner that 
like, don't talk about it, just go do it. There, there is some communication, but there's also that option to have a little bit extra layer of security. So I think these are great programs. They are great programs. And, um, you know, it was, it was interesting, uh, and really quite, uh, encouraging to hear that this is such a new program. Um, you know, I guess it was started, uh, more formalized at least last year. Yeah. She was Um, saying that it was the Rams had the program for a while, but the NFL just recently mandated that you must have a mental health program. The Rams already had one in place. Yeah. So that's why other teams were looking to the Rams to be like, Hey, what do we do here? No, it's pretty cool. And, you know, I, I will say that, um, one of the things that probably stood out the most in terms of what was quite progressive with the program that she's leading there with the Rams is that, uh, you know, they have actually done some community engagement and they've also done engagement with other professional teams in the local area as it relates to you know, the, the issues of social justice and, you know, how things like, you know, this pandemic crisis mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, more recently the, uh, the police brutality, you know, that we've seen on social media and how it's, you know, affecting the players. Uh, I love that she's been leading an effort to really try to get all organizations, on, you know, on board with, you know, creating more broader programming and more more dialogue and conversations mm, uh, around all these mental health issues. That speaks to the kind of what we were talking about uh, the previous episode, where as a mental health provider, professional, you have kind of your finger on the pulse, not strictly just zoning in on like the mental health issues, but the overall wellness of the individual. And obviously the pandemic and the police brutality and the social injustices are affecting these individuals. And a lot of these individuals in particular, because a lot of individuals who play in the the NFL are from those communities. Um, So I'm glad that people like Dr. Hastings are being open about this. It sounds like the Rams organization is being open about this. Um, We heard that coach Sean McVay held a, a meeting over zoom and had just, they talked about the police brutality and what was going on. Um, that was in the last episode. Check that out if you want to hear more about that. Um, so us as mental health professionals, we can continue to push the conversation forward, but also these individuals working in these major sporting leagues. That's why it's important that I think the NBA comes back because they have this huge platform, all these eyes on them to help continue this momentum of social justice yes. and equality. Absolutely. man. No, and it's, it's what it's all about because, you know, we always come back to this theme and leave off each episode with this theme around, let's end the stigma, right? Let's end the stigma and then continue the conversation because, you know, at at the end of the day, um, you know, that's what dialogue and communication and this openness, you know, this sense of, hey, this stuff isn't weird, all right? This stuff isn't something that we need to to look at as a distraction or, or something to avoid. These are things that are actually positive topics, even though they may feel challenging and difficult because it's all about, as you said earlier, Tori, wellness, right? It's not just about illness, right? Illness is the issue and the challenge, but the dialogue and the conversation should be around wellness, right? How to get better, um, you know, how we can collectively support one another to get better when it comes to these these things and in openness, dialogue, and empathic communication mm-hmm. is an essential ingredient uh, 
yeah. for, for all of this to, to kind of transform exactly. the way it needs to. Dr. Trujillo, you said that we um, we need sports to come back and we emphasize that. Did you hear the quote Adam Silver said, I think, yesterday regarding he, he was asked, why is the NBA pushing so hard for them to come back? Did you hear his, his response? I didn't. I didn't. So this is a direct quote. We're coming back because sports matters in our society. They bring people together when they need it the most. End quote. I can't think of a bigger time where we need something like this to just bring everyone together. And also, I don't know if you guys heard, but the NBA pushed a great rule. And this is, a, I think this is a great response to Kyrie Irving. Who's, uh, who, he said he wants to sit out because it's going to distract society from what's going on. And the NBA responded, players are allowed to put uh, fundraisers or charities on the back of their jerseys instead of their last names. So, you know, like, so there are a few wow. players saying like, all right, I'm coming out, Love Black that. Lives Matter in the back of my jersey. And mm -hmm. I mean, you, you talk about the opposite of a distraction. I think that's just, that's great. And that shows that's why Adam Silver is a great yeah. commissioner. I appreciate that, Ben. I think that we need unity right now and, and unity and a common goal and a common mission, which is equality. And I, I was, speaking of that, like I've been watching some Premier League soccer since nothing else is going on. And like the Chelsea Football Club, they had a, their Black jerseys. Lives every single one of them, Black Lives Matter on the back or a Black Lives Matter patch. Mm -hmm. Like this is happening all over the world. Uh, the National Women's Soccer League. All teams they knelt before the national anthem for Black Lives Matter and everything with, else going on. Yeah, with the with the t-shirts. Uh, yeah, I, we saw that. We saw. Yeah, it was great. That that'll was so be up, powerful. That'll be up was, on the Instagram page for sure. For sure. For sure. Yes, it is. And all the players yeah, too yeah. tweeted yeah. about it, and they all said like, "This is more than a picture." Like, like they gave a little insight into why they did it, and it became really personal, yeah. which is great. You know, I I think it. I I will say this much. I think it's great, and I and I think it's a huge step forward. Not a small step forward. It's a huge step forward because. In the past, and, and this past includes my childhood and, and frankly, my young adult years, I felt pressured. And I think my friends, you know, my colleagues, um, Dr. Trojan, and I have talked about this in previous episodes. You know, there, there was kind of a, almost like a certain pressure to, to kind of be silent, not talk about things. Tremaine brought this up uh, during our, our interview with him. You know, it's like it's uncomfortable to have these conversations. And I feel like, honestly, in many ways, you know, that was, uh, that was a big part of the problem. You know, it was just uncomfortable to, to, to talk about these things. And, you know, uh, I just think that ultimately this is the type of thing that it's going to help unwind, you know, some of the, the tension mm -hmm. and release some of that, that tension that's been there for probably a really, really long time. And, and, uh, I, I, I do want to say that while I support it wholeheartedly free speech, um, and the freedom, you know, to, to kind of have that and have that voice is a great thing. Um, but it's really important that, it, you know, we understand the message and, and what it's really about and the tone. It's not about spreading hate and negativity. And, you know, if you have an opportunity like Adam Silver has given these players, it can't be about any messages of hostility, you know, or violence or aggressiveness, right? These should be positive messages, messages of hope inspiration, love, unity, and things like Absolutely, of that nature. Dude. I'm so excited um, that we're continuing this conversation. I just want to touch on the fact that, Armin, you mentioned we want to get to a point where everyone can have that empathetic communication. And how do you get to that point when you, like you said, it, it's uncomfortable to talk about these things. So that's why we always go kind of go back to these principles that we, we talk about. If you can practice having these conversations, first off, do that. Have the conversation first. It's going to be uncomfortable at first. 
But to get it to a place where it's actually comfortable, you have to practice. You have to put yourself out there. You might put your foot in your mouth, but that's okay. Have the conversation, open up kind of those windows to your heart, to your soul, to your mind. And in order to feel more comfortable doing that, more confident doing that, practice mindfulness. That really helps you kind of take a step back from your emotions because obviously we're in an extremely kind of highly emotional society right now. Very polarizing, starts at the present. We've talked about this. The media doesn't help. They kind of, everything is fueled by fear. Everyone wants to provoke fear in order to get you on their side. So you got to have a moment of mindfulness to kind of take some deep breaths, engage all your senses, take a step back, see things a little bit more clearly without the emotions. And then that'll allow you to gain more confidence and security to have those conversations. And also practicing gratitude makes you realize, okay, even though all this is going on in the world, these are the things I can be thankful for. These are my anchors. These, these are the things I can always fall back on. So that helps you kind of ground That's yourself, right. secure yourself. So you can venture outwards and have those conversations where you're going to be vulnerable. You're going to open up about things that may cause a negative reaction from someone else. But ultimately, mm-hmm. if you can have yeah. that conversation, you can continue to produce empathetic communication. That's what we all want. We all want to kind of open ourselves up and get on the same page. That's what we want. No doubt. You know, and uh, gratitude, man, it, it does actually provide another type of awareness. Um, one that I think is is even uh, an advanced level of awareness beyond mindfulness, um, which is situational awareness, right? Awareness of others, you know, other things, other people, uh, other circumstances on a level that enables you to have more appreciation, right? Appreciation for, frankly, yourself, on in you know on, on the one hand and then of other people and their circumstances and how they may be different mm-hmm. you know and that's really important absolutely so today i'm excited to continue the conversation with another mental health professional someone who's working directly with athletes someone who's been in the game for a long time so um stay tuned we got dr carrie hastings yeah man i, I just wanted to to add that i think the fact that dr hastings is here in los angeles you know and and representing the los angeles rams I, I have to say, um, I think that probably has a lot to do with why they're so far ahead of the curve uh, in terms of having a, a strong mental health program that other teams and other organizations can learn from. Because, you know, L.A., as we've talked about many times, Tori, you know, it's it's this huge confluence of so many different great backgrounds and cultures and people that are really adding to, you know, the mission and the vibrancy of you know, what this city offers, which is, you know, you know, a city that really, I think, leads the the world, you know, in many, many different industries, uh, the least of which being the entertainment industry. And in order to, to, I think, be a leader, an industry leader, you have to be able to collectively, you know, as a, as a, as a broader community, uh, and as well as, you know, the individuals within that community, um, you have to be willing to, to sort of commit to, you know, something bigger, a greater purpose. And it comes back to values, right? It really comes back to values. And, um, you know, I, I think this city is one that really does value diversity, uh, openness, and the great talent and creativity that you, you can have, you know, when you bring different kinds of people together in, in a way of you know, having unity, mm-hmm. right? Not just one perspective or two perspectives or three, but many different, you know, stakeholders, many different 
uh, creative ideas. And, um, you know, that, that's just one of the things that makes Los Angeles special. And, you know, the, the, a team like the Rams, you know, who represents us is, is going to also promote those things too. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and jump into the interview with Dr. Carrie Hastings. I think that was going to be really important for the, the players, you know, especially, you know, it, it's one of these things that we talk about a lot on, on our show is, you know, we, we see as fans, you know, we see these athletes, you know, on, on Sunday on Monday and in, in performance, but we often fail to understand that behind the scenes, you know, they have, you know, their own communities, their own neighborhoods, their own families they have to go back home to. And they have to address these issues, you know, like with their their children and their neighbors and stuff like that. And so it's something that's really important, I think, for the workplace to be sensitive to. So it's great that you guys were, were having those conversations. Definitely. Yeah. And that's so true what you're saying in terms of, you know, remembering and placing importance on the fact that they have a life outside of sports and, you know, whether they have a family with kids or they're, you know, on their own, all sorts of things come up in that other realm that, you know, impacts their focus or their play. And, and so it's important that we do kind of embrace that whole person. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, we really, really appreciate you coming on. What is your, your specific role? Because I, when I looked you up, I saw that you have quite a, di- a lot of different roles and um, a lot of different titles. So how would you like to be introduced? Um, well, I guess my primary role is the team psychologist mm-hmm. for the Rams. And, um, you know, within that role, I do a lot of different things. Um, but I also maintain a private practice and work with individuals, um, both sport-related and not non-sport related, but athletes of all ages and levels. And yeah, and then, you know, I give presentations um, every once in a while and uh, present at conferences. And then, so, you know, it, it's not the same every day, which I love about awesome. it. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. And um, you are also a, you ran track and field at Notre Dame? Yeah. Um, I was a sprinter and a hurdler at Notre Dame. And so, you know, a lot of what I bring to my career is both professionally based, but also based on personal experience and things I've learned along the way. So, you know, I think it helps me be relatable and, and kind of understand the perspective um, based on some of the experience that experiences I've had, but, you know, nobody's story is exactly the same. And certainly this level is not the same as where I competed, but, but I think having been through some stuff myself um, in an athletic realm helps me uh, connect with other athletes. Absolutely. So, you know, you kind of know the hard work and what it takes to, to get to a certain level through sports. So I'm sure that connection helps a lot with with players you're working with today. Definitely. And just, you know, knowing the hard work and the sacrifice that it takes, but also the, you know, the relationships that can develop and the loyalty, you know, there's, there's so many, um, life lessons learned in sport that then, you know, transfer over into life after sport. So I like to kind of make those connections with athletes wherever they are in their sport journey. And, um, you know, it's always interesting to hear how they're able to apply that. So I'm I'm glad we have you on the show today. You're not only a former athlete, but you work with athletes and you're a mental health professional. So we're very fortunate to have you on today. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. My pleasure. And, you know, one of the things to highlight on this show, um, 
is you know that all the great things that mental health can do for for teams for athletes for you know the sports community in general you know so it's great to have an ambassador you know at the professional level to kind of share some of your uh, your experiences with us how much do you think the uh, the stigma you know that society often kind of places on those that have mental health challenges like how much do you think that that influences the athletes in your organization to want to come to you when they they have something going on that they want to address uh there is still a stigma you know in the mental health world for sure and that stigma i think is is higher and harder to overcome for athletes because you know they're especially high level athletes because they're so often perfectionists and you know to acknowledge um, maybe some inner struggles might feel imperfect or flawed and that's hard for them to digest as part of their you know whole identity but um, I will say our club is very lucky in that mental health services are advocated from the top down and and so it's really become less taboo to talk about and and the stigma really is fairly minimal on our team, um, even in comparison to some other teams. And, um, you know, everybody knows that it's there as a resource. And, um, you know, we kind of have three different levels of people who come to see me, you know, some elect to come on their own and, and they don't even have to tell anyone, you know, that if they just want support, it's all confidential. Um, then some are kind of nudged yeah. if, if it seems like they could use some extra support. And then there's, a, there's some mandated cases as well. If, um, you know, if something's gone on right, outside of, of football, but. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask, so you mentioned um, obviously confidentiality is probably and privacy is a huge thing for these athletes. Some of them who may not necessarily want to know, have the whole team know that they're seeking um, help from a mental health professional. So you guys have, like offices located on the campus or separate? How does it specifically work if an athlete wants to come see you uh, privately? Yes, and that's a great point actually, because um, there are times I have, I have an office at the facility, um, which is very convenient, but for people who maybe care about being seen or worry about, you know, even being seen coming in and out of the office, um, then they'll just come to my private practice office. And so it can be kept on the DL and, and, um, you know, that's kind of the, one of the biggest priorities because, um, you know, players can still be concerned that it might impact their relationships with coaches or playing time or, or things like that. And, and even though, um, it won't impact playing time necessarily, but um, it's good to have that reassurance too. And so wherever I am, I always start off by saying, you know, everything is confidential. And unless, you know, we talk about it first or you give me explicit permission or sign a release, you know, everything stays in here, which can be hard because a lot of times, you know, coaches or training staff want to know. um, And sometimes to a point need to know in terms of like, um, you know, ready to play or if they can, if they've been out, you know, if they are well. So sometimes I do have to have conversations where I have to give them some uh, feedback, but it's not really the content mm-hmm. of what we talk about. It's just kind mm-hmm. of how they're doing, which is the same in any therapeutic. Yeah. I imagine there's a lot of trying to 
encourage them as much as they feel comfortable to be open and honest with with the coaching staff and the team to just allow everyone to be on the same page because ultimately that will benefit um, the individual if they have the support from their coaching staff and teammates if if that's something they want. Right. And, you know, I'm always sure to say too, you know, especially at the beginning of the season and when I'm meeting the rookies, this is a resource for you to use it when and how you want. But, um, you know, I'm not the only person in a supportive role. So don't feel like, you know, if you're uncomfortable talking to a, a psychologist, then, you know, we've got our director of player engagement who's really tight with the players and, um, you know, there's all sorts of people develop relationships with the trainers. They see them so often. We have our team chaplain. So a lot of people like to talk to him. And, and so, you know, it's, it's kind of based on the comfort level mm-hmm. of that player. And, and, you know, I've, it's, I've had some uh, black players say who at first might've been uncomfortable or not used to it say, you know, this is weird. Um, white people go to therapy and black people go to church. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting for me to hear where they're, they're starting from and, yeah, and yeah, what yeah. they think of it or what their impressions are, you know. So it's kind of just educating them, too, on, on what that uh, environment is meant to be for them. Yeah. And, and speaking of which, it sounds like there are a lot of different sort of mental health professionals uh, affiliated with the team. Uh, perhaps your office is more or less like the, the kind of chief, you know, uh, operation of, of, you know, the mental health program and the, you know, the, the sort of the treatment, um, you know, sort of paradigm. But I do think it's interesting. There's a lot of different people involved that can be a support. Do you guys ever collaborate, meaning you, the player engagement team, uh, perhaps the, the chaplain team to kind of like have a more cohesive, all encompassing program? Or uh, do you guys even have, um, you know, I, I guess a mission oriented around things like that. Yes. Um, and in fact, we meet monthly to, oh. to kind of do a roster overview and, and our group is the director of player engagement, um, me, the head trainer and the strength and conditioning coach. And okay, great. We, we come together every month and literally go through, um, you know, the roster and, and just, red light, yellow light, green light people. And, and so that we know, even if they're not necessarily going to be sent, you know, for um, regular support, just to know who we should be checking up on and, and looking out for, and just, you know, seeing if there are any changes or anything we need to kind of address more closely. That's great. So there's some, that's great. No, it's some like, team cohesion. I want to know. So it sounds like primarily you're there to provide individual supports for players, but also um, you mentioned before, is there an educational aspect to your job where you're giving like maybe small lectures or didactics to coaching staff, training staff, um, players even about just general mental health concerns or issues? Yes. And that um, we have both at the staff level and the player level. Um, I will do a few um, staff trainings throughout the year, anything from, um, you know, recognizing signs of emotional or mental distress and next steps, um, even to self-care. You know, the the year we went to the Super Bowl, by January, everybody was just fried and exhausted and, you know, not getting much sleep and trying to do all these jobs and planning. And, and so that one, I just said, let's just, 
let's make this one about you and, um, and kind of just walk them through even some stress management techniques and relaxation strategies. And, and I made them do one during that training because I said, I know you're not going to do this on your own because that's, that's just kind of who they are, but it also comes with a job too. I mean, you get to that point and it's like, you don't have a free second, but, um, but I also give um, rookie trainings every year. We're required by the league to give um, a certain number of rookie trainings that all that educate the players on total wellness and various aspects from mental health um, to where to find resources, um, even within the the players association has, you know, their own website with resources. And, um, and then, you know, from relationships to dealing with stress. And, and so there, there's a series of rookie trainings um, that I'll give. And then this year, we actually, um, I guess, kind of because this whole thing, everything has been virtual lately, as you know, and um, so we started something called Mental Health Mondays, where um, each Monday I I did a like a three or four minute video um, where I would just educate on anything from dealing with anxiety to um, sleep and the importance of sleep and how it impacts performance. Um, you know, I I did one after the Minneapolis incident and. Um, just kind of a silent one where I just showed some quotes from African-American leaders around the world. And, and so there's all different ways, but that was, um, that was kind of the first time we tried that. And it sounds like it was received well, and it was just posted along with their workouts because they're all getting their workouts sent to them and doing them at home. So, um, so that was kind of to start off their week. And, uh, and we did that for, I guess about two months or so, eight weeks. So it definitely sounds like the Rams are taking a huge step forward with regards to implementing mental health care or or just overall wellness care or mental health care into a wellness program that also involves like work, physical workouts and different things. So it sounds like it's an all encompassing um, program. How, how long have, has this program been in place uh, within the Rams organization? Is it something that's fairly new or has it been going on for a while? You know, it's been there, but it was really formalized last year. The CB, you know, with the revamping of the CBA, the role itself became mandated. So not every team, most of them, I think there were three teams that didn't have a team psychologist or some sort of mental health professional. Um, and so that became mandated. Every team had to have one. And, and along with that, certain qualifications and they also had to put in a certain number of hours per week, um, face-to-face hours, like on site, and then fulfill certain roles. And, and we also have like monthly clinician meetings where all of the mental health professionals from each team connect and talk yes. about how it's going and learn from each other. And, um, and that can be really helpful yeah. Um, yeah. in terms of seeing where each yeah, team is. That's so cool. No, I I didn't realize that this this uh, this program was so new, um, and you know it it leads me to ask. I mean, with it being, is that even a year uh, in existence? Would you say that the coaching staff and the leadership and the various organizations have had an opportunity to really see the the difference in terms of what uh, what a, a a strong mental health program can provide for the organization, or do, would you say there's been still some maybe, you know, adjustment challenges? For us, 
um, on the Rams, there really wasn't a drastic change because we, I really feel like our club is um, kind of ahead of the game in terms of having stuff in place and, and these key people believing in it and, and supporting it. And so in fact, we had a site visit um, before all that was formally institutionalized and, and they kind of used our program as a protocol for the rest of the league and a lot of the things wow. that we had in place. <laughs> so awesome. we're really proud of that. And, uh, and, you know, as, yeah. as great. it's developed, um, we, we didn't have to change too much drastically. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. good. And I, it was easy for me having been there already to kind of just adapt to the the changes that we did need to do. So, so you mentioned before, I'm curious, you mentioned you work with other, um, other teams. Have you at all kind of collaborated with other uh, teams in the LA area? Like uh, Armin and I, we have um, familiarity. We did our training at UCLA. So kind of familiar with how UCLA is affiliated with the Lakers and they provide their mental health care. Uh, Dr. Brenda Birch is the like, player facing individual in that unit. So I mm-hmm. wonder if you guys ever, kind of bounce ideas off these other other teams in the Los Angeles area? You know, not really when it comes to the mm-hmm. sports psych stuff, but when it comes to like, like this whole thing with how different teams and different sports are, are handling the COVID stuff and even um, the, you know, the social justice piece we have checked in with other um, other leagues and um, other sport professionals and and kind of collaborated in that way. In fact, we had um, we've had a couple of just um, zooms where they were just for the purpose of like town hall format where we were just discussing what's going on and what we can do about it. And we did one that kind of collaborated with some NBA mental health people. And, um, and then I know we checked in with major league baseball in terms of with COVID, what they were kind of doing and their ideas of return to play. So when it comes down to some of that stuff, we will. Um, and then within the league, sometimes we will bounce ideas off each other. We'll draw from each other in terms of what's working, um, within the, the sports psychology arena. Um, but then it ultimately comes down to, that club's leadership, because we are still kind of separate identities in that sense. So, you know, if there's a team that has, say, a coach that's not fully on board, um, it it can be very hard to promote that as a useful service. And same, I've heard of, of instances where the mental health professional isn't kind of lining up with the Mm -hmm. team physician. And, you know, that can be tough, but we just, I I feel so lucky because our group really, it really does feel like a family and everybody is close and everybody just gets along and supports each other. So it makes it easy. That's great. It sounds like everyone's on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, Dr. Hastings, it sounds like uh, you guys are are way ahead. Um, And, you know, honestly, you know, Tori and I being out here in Los Angeles ourselves, it's just really great to see that, you know, when we have uh, organizations nearby that are, are really ahead of the game and so forward thinking and progressive when it comes to mental health and how important it can be. You know, I was looking at uh, your background. I recognize how uh, extraordinary it is, uh, how very impressive um, your experiences have been. And I was wondering, you know, to what extent your 
past experiences, um, either in training uh, or other clinical experience you've had, to what extent something uh, going to build and create this very progressive program for the Rams? Um, you know, I I didn't have a sports psychologist when I was an athlete, and I really could have used one. <laughs> so a lot of times I kind of reflect on yeah. on when and how um, it could have served me as a resource, and. And that helps me look out for things um, and just even signs and symptoms or as I'm getting to know a personality, what to kind of, you know, I can kind of notice if there's a red flag, but I can also speak yeah. from an athlete's perspective. And, and I think that's something that goes a long way for sure in terms of understanding what sports and winning can mean to a person. And especially when that's all you've known. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize, especially at this level, a lot of people assume that, yo, you're in the NFL, you know, you're rich, you got it made, you know, easy, easy from here and and life is golden. But a lot of these guys have families that they need to support and that they're trying to, not everybody gets a, a ton of money for this. And and it really is year to year. And and then if you get injured, it can change everything. Yeah. It can end everything. And, um, and I experienced actually a, a season ending injury, my junior year of college and, uh, which was devastating. It was right before the conference meet wow. and, um, and, you know, I had to kind of, it was towards the end of the year, but I had to kind of rehab all summer. And, and so having experienced that really helps me empathize with players dealing with injury and that, that urgency to get back and how you almost want to, um, you're so tempted to lie or, or fake good, um, maybe even before you're physically ready. And, you know, there's even, I think, some research that shows if, if an athlete, especially an elite athlete, is told, let's say, they're, they should be pretty much recovered, let's say, two to four weeks, they hear <laughs> one and a half weeks. <laughs> and that's, that's what they, because they yeah, are used a, to being the best, well, they're going to be the best at healing. Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. comp- everything's a competition. And that can put a lot of pressure on them. Um, and I remember after when I had that injury, I remember actually, um, I tore all the ligaments in my ankle and, and I was going into our practice facility into the indoor track to meet up with my team and the coach. And I left my crutches outside of the door and went in and really tried to downplay it to see if he thought it was minimal enough if he'd let me go. And I mean, I think back to that, it was crazy. I couldn't even walk. I was on crutches, but I mean, you get in that mindset to where you will yeah. do almost anything and, and self-care goes out the window. So, um, but that really helps me relate to, to that mindset at this level. Yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's invaluable that you have the ability to real like you were an athlete. So you understand all these different things. Did you know when you were an athlete at Notre Dame? that you wanted to go into mental health as a, as a field in the future? No, I didn't. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I kind of knew what I didn't want to do. And um, I lived in New York city for a while and then it kind of like a light bulb went off. Um, I was actually there for nine 11. And, uh, and, and after that, I really, um, I had been teaching and working in a school and, and so many people were impacted that, by that. Um, I mean, everybody was in one way or another. But 
there were kids at the school where I was working who had lost a parent or who um, had really, it really hit close to home. And, and I didn't really know how to support them in, in as big a way as I wanted to. And then in a way that they needed and, and it's a group of, of people. So it's hard to get that one-on-one time. And, and that's when I realized, you know, that, that fits me, that would be a good fit. And I was ready. I was ready to, to go back to school. And, um, and so that's what I did. And then, um, and I moved to California. I um, went to Pepperdine for graduate school and got my master's and my doctorate. And, and as soon as I was, I always knew I wanted to work with athletes. I hadn't really connected mental health and athletes, but, um, but then when I did start studying psychology, I, I was always somehow working with an athletic population, whether I was, um, you know, just collaborating on research or presenting, um, but kind of trying to keep my hand in that. And then as I got further along, I was able to kind of do more on my own. And, um, and then I started specializing and then eventually went back to school again for, um, my, specialized certificate in sports psychology. So, so it kind of just evolved in a way that, that was perfect. And, um, and, and I am so happy doing what I do. I I love my job. I love that, um, you know, each day brings something new and, um, and it's really personally fulfilling. It really is. I really, I enjoy hearing that story from, from all the way dating back to college and kind of how you went through these different transitions. I imagine you had to be like so solely focused on track and field and your sport to be able to go to run track and field at Notre Dame, one of the probably top five, 10 biggest athletic programs in the country. Um, And then obviously that ends after you graduate Notre Dame and then kind of trying to figure out what you're going to do after that. Um, But it sounds like you were able to take that work ethic from being able to to run track at Notre Dame and take it into the mental health field. And then you combined your passion for mental health with sports. And now it sounds like you're kind of in the perfect spot. Yeah. And I did take so much from sports and I mean, the work ethic, the resilience, I think that comes from sport participation and, and learning how to bounce back and go through um, challenges and endure things in your personal life going on and still have to show up and perform and still be part of a team and, and all those things and, and owning what you are or not contributing, um, you know, thinking of being innovative in terms of new ways that you can contribute or be a leader. Um, so many elements just mm-hmm. are still with me and a part of I have life. to ask what it was it like living in South Bend, Indiana. I'm, I'm originally from Indiana. I grew up in West Lafayette, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Oh, by really? campus, But I went to Indiana university for undergrad. So you're not, you weren't originally from Indiana and you went there just for to play sports. Um, right. I grew up in Pennsylvania. Let me just say, by the way, the Purdue track was where I got that injury. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was doing the mile relay and I stepped well, uh, off <laughs> on that metal lip. Uh-oh. Yeah, you <laughs> don't bring back any bad We members. don't like Purdue, so that's okay. That, okay. I mean, okay. Yeah, that's more fuel for the fire against Purdue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, I love Indiana, to be honest. I'm a huge fan of the Midwest. And, um, and I, I, you know, I grew up somewhere with the four seasons and, and cold weather. So that, mm-hmm. didn't, I mean, it's very cold there on another level, but, um, but I loved Notre Dame yeah. so much. I it, really, it, 
it was secondary for me. Um, I, I loved every second of it. And those four years went by very quickly, but they were the best years of my life. They really were. Nice. Yeah. It's a beautiful campus. Yeah. You know, it is, it is. Yeah. Um, I actually grew up on the East coast, uh, in Maryland, oh, yeah. so not too far from Pennsylvania. And I know, I remember the, the very temperate climate, yeah, the humidity, super humidity in the summer and then, you know, pretty bitter cold in the winter. So, um, I had one more question for you. So, um, wanted to know what's the most common, um, I guess, concern that you, that you see, uh, in your, in your practice there with the Rams, um, at least as far as the one-on-one -on -one talk therapy consultation, what would you say the most common reason for an athlete to come to you would be? I would have to say anxiety. Um, and that can come from the sport itself. That can come from stuff going on outside of the sport, especially in the newer guys who, you know, have that pressure of, you know, if they're unsigned and what's going to happen and they're competing for their um, position. So I would say that's, that's probably number one. Um, and then, you know, people have family stuff that um, maybe is interfering with their um, focus, yeah. but, um, and then, you know, some people yeah. just performance issues or how to, um, you know, I'll teach them how to use imagery or, um, you know, self-talk to enhance their yeah. performance. And, but the, the two areas, the psychological area and then the mental skills and performance side always intertwine. And even mm -hmm. if somebody comes mm -hmm. in for, you know, they want to work on some sports like strategies, it inevitably somehow ties into their personality. And, and that's, that's a good thing because then we can really kind of tap into well, what part of you can make this element of sports sports psych thrive you know how can you thrive as a whole athlete yeah. i really think a great aspect sure. of what it's you do stuff. is the fact that you have the players have the options to either see you at, it sounds like at the facility or go to the private practice and have a little extra layer of privacy and confidentiality so i think it's great that you guys have that option i wanted to ask um with regards to if you felt a player an individual needed medication if you have a, a psychiatrist that you guys work with or a, a uh, what, who all specifically is on your team with regards to the mental health professionals? Um, well, me regarding mental health, it's just me. Our mm -hmm. team physician, if it's something um, that I know or that I suggest or um, think they should be prescribed, you know, then he, it, it can go through him. But even he says, you know, there are some things that I just don't know, you know, he's not a psychiatrist. So he, mm -hmm. he's like some things I have a lot of experience with some things I don't. And so we do have some, um, some outside psychiatrists that we will consult with or work with, but you know, we also, there's a whole kind of protocol we have to go through in terms of what they're putting in their bodies. So yeah. everything has to get approved and we have to make sure that, um, you know, everything's cool when they get drug tested and, and all that. But, um, yeah, there's, you know, and sometimes if somebody's like wondering if they have, you know, ADHD or something I can give, cause I'm also in my practice do neuropsychological and psychological. That's great. So I can do those things too. They don't have mm -hmm. to use somebody outside for something. That's like great. That. That's valuable. Yeah. So, um, so depending on what it is, sometimes we can keep that in house. All right. 
Awesome. Well, um, I guess, yeah, so we can get you out of here. Oh, I wanted to, this program you have with, with the LA Rams is great, but that's just kind of your part-time job. You have your own private practice. And if you want to let our listeners know where they can find more information about you, um, I don't know if you want to give them your website or what have you, but feel free. Okay, sure. Yeah, my my website is www.drcarriehastings.com and doctor is dr. Um, and my work number is 310-405-2874. Um, yeah, I mean, typically, you know, during the season, I'm pretty busy. And then during the off season, obviously, it's, it's a lot lighter. So um, I kind of try to schedule accordingly. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's kind of nice to get to work with all different populations um, when I'm not focused on uh, the football season. Yeah. And I, I, went, I went to your website. I know you have a whole lot of resources up there with regards to pretty much everything mental health. So go check it out um, and you'll learn something for sure. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, for sure. It was really, uh, really great meeting you and we're so oh, happy thanks so much. I, it's a pleasure. Much. And, um, you know, this is really a passion of mine. So any time I have a platform to kind of advocate myself for it, um, I'm, I'm happy to take it. So thank you so much for having me. And if I could just add, as a recent graduate from school, it's really, really inspirational to see someone like do something that they love and being able to work in psychology. And Dr. Ho, Dr. Gio, and you, Dr. Hastings, is really inspirational and just like shows me that I can do what I want to do, which is work in this sports psychology field. So thank you so much again for your time and coming on, coming on the show. You're welcome. Yeah, I there's definitely um, a lot of room. I, I really feel, and you guys can probably agree, it's still it's still a fairly new field. I mean, it's, it's, it's really still developing and there's so much work to be done. So there's a lot of opportunity for anybody who's interested in it. Yeah. I I recently went to the PAC 12 mental health summit here at UCLA and they had, Oh, I was there. (laughs) Really? Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So the NCAA is putting in their new program. The NFL has their new program. Sounds like the Rams are kind of leading the way right now. So um, you're on the forefront for sure. And, and let's, let's continue this conversation. This is, this is fun. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Well, and thank you guys for what you do and, and for, you know, getting this conversation out there too. Much needed. Much yeah, needed. we appreciate sure. having you on and thank you. Thank you so much. Thank Dr. you. Houston. All right. Well, thank you. Do, do you feel-